I'm just going to preach for a couple minutes just because of time. I just spent that, you know, good 15 minutes talking to the folks and the parents. And uh, we've been talking in 1 Samuel chapter 18, we've been talking about the life of David. And let's just read these verses. I want to say a few words about friendship. Friendship, true friendship, and what it is. And I think next Sunday we're also going to talk about it. It may take a little time for us to cover this. In 1 Samuel chapter 18, and verse 1, And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking to Saul, and remember what's happening here, the chapter before. Um, David slays Goliath. King Saul says, Who is this kid? Who is this kid that did this? Bring him to me. And so then verse, verse 58 in the previous chapter, it says, Saul says to David, Whose son art thou? You, you young man. And David answered, I am the son of thy servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. And so Saul takes him, and after he'd been, after he, after David finished speaking to Saul, that the soul of Jonathan, which was Saul's son, was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Let's think about that for a minute. What does that verse mean? And Saul took him that day, in verse 2, and would not let him go no more home to his father's house. And Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. Verse 4, Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and his bow and to his girdle or his belt that was around him. We see here an example of friendship. We see here the basis of friendship. And there's ten characteristics of true friendship. I'm going to cover them a, a few this morning. Today, friendship can be so much based on conditions. Like, you're my friend because you do things for me, or I do things for you. Friendship in the Bible is based on Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24, where it says, There's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And who is that friend that sticks closer than a brother? It's Jesus Christ. But we don't know that until we begin to live our life a little bit. We may hear that in church, we may believe that, but it takes life experiences, failures, successes, walking down the road of life to discover how much a friend Jesus really is. Many of us grew up singing that song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. I remember singing it as a kid, but really not knowing Jesus is my friend. A friend loves at all times. And we see here Jonathan and David. Now there's, there's a few concepts and there's a few types of relationships that are very unhealthy. And we, need to talk, we want to talk about that later, uh, and maybe next week. But Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 says that I'm going to become like the people that I spend time with. Proverbs 13, verse 20, it says, If you want wisdom, then... Spend time around the wise. That's why I always spend time, I try to spend time with people that are smarter than I am. Because when I do that, that know God. Because when I do that, I'm going to grow. It's challenging. And sometimes I don't always feel amazing, but I grow. And David here, David is sharing with, with Saul, King Saul, what God did and how he delivered Goliath into his hand. And as he's speaking to Saul about this, Jonathan sees this man, David, and is just amazed about God's hand on his life. And Jonathan was, it was put into Jonathan's heart a love from God for David. 
Uh, the word Jonathan means, really means given by God or a gift from God. That's what that word, that's what his name means in the original language. God was giving David a friend. This is, the, this is really the first thing that we see here, is that it doesn't say that David knitted himself or that Jonathan knitted himself, but that the soul was, that was knit. True friendship is a gift from God, isn't it? How many people here can say that they have a true friend, at least one? How many of you can say that? Now, is that person a gift or what? I, I don't know who said this, but it's so true that if we have two or three true friends in our entire lifetime, we are truly a rich person. Friends are not defined today of how many friends I have on Facebook. I think I have a thousand friends on Facebook, but I think I only talk to three or four of them. I don't know. How many know? I mean, that, that's Facebook, isn't it? It's like, you know, people that we... It's so interesting how Facebook is. And a person that is a true friend... We can count on a person like that. We let God choose our friends. And that's very important because uh, we are not good at choosing our own friends. We don't even know a lot of times what a good friend is. When we allow God to choose our friends, to choose our church, to choose for us, then we're always going to be happy. That's another verse in Proverbs 10, verse 22. It says this, that the blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow to it. When we allow God to choose for us, then there's no regret. In Maryland, and I know about here, but in Maryland, when I was working as a loan officer in, in a bank, and then I quit that job because it was so, you know, it was so ridiculous. But uh, Proverbs 10, verse 22, I remember this verse, thinking about this, that uh, no regrets. In Maryland, when someone would sign or purchase a house or get a loan for their home, uh, they had a three-day um, rescission. What that meant, they had three days to, if they signed the papers, they had three days to think about it. And it was called buyer's remorse. How many of us have ever experienced buyer's remorse or friend's remorse? Like, why am I friends with this person? When we allow God to choose for us, there's not going to be that remorse. Um, there's no greater gift than a true friend. And when it says that God made their soul as one, this is the level of friendship. Friendship is not on the physical level, nor is it true only on the soulish level. But it's very deep. It's on the spiritual level. Um, so that's number one, is that... when. The first thing about true friends is that a true friend is someone that we've allowed God to choose for us. True friends are people that we allow God to choose. Number two, David and uh, Jonathan loved David as his own soul. This could mean, actually, in the Hebrew, one soul and two bodies. Or it could mean another self. When God gives such friendship, he gives a love for the friend that is really a love that's very similar to the love for ourselves. The friend's welfare is my welfare. In other words, we prefer our friends to ourselves. This is really a sacred relationship. When we learn how to prefer other people ahead of ourselves, today's concept of friendship is based so much on conditional selfishness. Number three, David, uh, Jonathan gave up the kingdom for David in Psalm 18, verse 4. He gave David his armor, his sword. 
gave David his protection, his, that, that armor that was on him that was protecting himself. True friendship is marked by vulnerability. A vulnerability that means that I am left open, that I've um, become open to someone that has really the option or the power to cause injury in my life. Sometimes people have been hurt so many times by other people that they no longer allow people to become friends. They keep everyone at a distance because they're so hurt. Jonathan took the risk. Friendship, God's love and friendship always takes a risk. When we allow someone to come into our life as a friend or as, a, as someone that we are investing in or that we marry, we're taking a risk there. We're becoming vulnerable. In our friendships, Jonathan here understood his vulnerability, that he was covered by God, that Jonathan's expectations was not first in David, but was, in, was first in God. When our expectations in our relationships first begin with God, then people can't hurt us and they can't disappoint us. Yes, they can hurt us. There's always that possibility, but if they do, then we're covered and we're protected because our expectations are in God. When I have my expectations in a relationship first from God, then people are not going to, when they fail me, they're not going to disappoint me. That's, you know, some pastors or some people can be very, they can be so mean because they get so hurt because they give so much to people and then people can so easily fail. There are seven dispensations or seven periods in the Bible that we call dispensations. Each dispensation is marked by the same thing. Number one, we see that God gives a commandment. Number two, we see man fails that commandment. And number three, we see God's redemption. Every period of the Bible we can see that God gives a commandment, people fail that commandment, and then we see God's redemption. God, God expects nothing from humanity. He expects nothing from our flesh. Because our flesh, our fallen nature, can only produce one thing, and that's failure, right? So our expectations for our family, for people that we love, for other people, really need to begin, need to be sourced in God. I want to just bring us to a really important point here that... Um, 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 20, if we look at these verses, we see that at the death of Jonathan and of Saul, when Jonathan and Saul die, uh, we see David say something to his men, to his people. He says, do not publish this information in the city of Gath. Why did he say that? Gath is where the Philistines and where Goliath was from. That was where all the enemies of Israel at that time were, in Gath. David said, at the very tragic death of Jonathan and Saul, he said, don't publish this information there. Gath today can represent today's media or today's internet or today's newspapers. Gath can be the place where there's so much information that's reported that is so shameful and so discouraging and so hurtful that David says, don't publish that information there. Because if we do, then the enemies." of God will rejoice. This is what happens today, is that people take the media, 
or we can do the same thing. People lift people up to a um, a very high place, a place of spectacular fame. We've all seen it, haven't we? We saw this. We just saw it happen with our, this football player and with the Ravens, Rice. You know, these people are lifted up so high, and then then they make a mistake. And even if they rectify it, they still are brought down and they're cast into a pit on the media. First, they're amazing people, and then, the, then in the end, they are cast down and they are just dirt, right? And this is what happens in the world, is that a friend, a true friend, not in the world, but in the kingdom of God, a true friend does not repeat things, does not repeat people's failures and, and sins. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12, and chapter 17, and verse 9 says this, that love covers a multitude of sins. 1 Peter 4, verse 8 says the same thing. True love doesn't cover sin because sin's been paid for. But if somebody's failed, the church is the only place that a person can come to and not be thrown in their face their sins and their mistakes. It's the only place in the planet, in the universe, that a person can come to and look in the mirror and see who they are in God and not see who they are in the flesh. A true friend is a friend who is not going to be repeating things or gossip or uh, saying things about other people's sins. Whatever we do that, Proverbs chapter 6, God hates that so much. Proverbs chapter 6 talks about the sins of the tongue, which are God hates much more than adultery or murder or anything else. Proverbs chapter 6 talks about seven things that God hates. And a, a majority of those things are sins of the tongue. God does not want things repeated that he's paid for, that he has covered. And true friends allow people... A true friend will separate a, a person from who they, who they were in the flesh and what they've done in the past. That's what a true friend will do. A true friend will tell you that's not who you are. You are a new creation in Christ. A true friend will always tell the truth. And I want to finish with this, is that true friends will always tell each other the truth. This is very important, that your enemy is never going to tell you the truth, because your enemy wants, to be, wants you to be just like him, deceived or in error. Uh, a friend who wants to take you out drinking all night is not going to tell you the truth, what the alcohol does to you. Uh, they want you to be just like him. A true friend will tell you the truth. A true friend is a person that will share with us finished work truth about who we are in Christ. And this is what a pastor does. This is what a leader does. This is what a teacher does. This is what we do with each other. This is what we do with our families. That a true friend is someone that will be a person that just shares truth. And then lastly, I want to and I'm going to finish the list, I'm going to go finish it next week, but lastly, a true friend will be a person that will lay down his life for a friend. He'll lay down his life in John 15, verse 13. But the greatest love is a person laying down their life. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean that I just do nice things for people. Remember, remember that verse that we read with the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verse 17, where we said, where it says there that Ruth said to Naomi, where you die, I will die. 
know what that means? It means that as a true friend, I'm not going to give people my flesh, but I'm going to I'm going to die to myself. I'm going to die to my own desires, my own opinions, and about my own my own ways, and I'm going to give people Christ. And that sometimes we fail at that, and that's fine, but we need to rebound out of it and grow in what it means to take up a cross. True friends have a cross between each other. And a cross means that I don't see that person in the flesh, and they don't see me in the flesh. When they, when when um, when Jonathan said, let the Lord be between me and thee, what he was saying was, let there be a cross between us, a filter. And that filter filters out anything that's of the flesh and that is not of God. For example, if my friend says something to me, they have a moment where they're just, they, they are just out of their mind, they lose their, they lose their temper or whatever. I, as a friend, look at that person and say, that's not who they are, and that's not how I'm going to relate to them. I'm going to, I'm going to apply the blood of Christ right now in, on this person and just understand that that's paid for. Because people are going to make mistakes. The best of us are going to make mistakes. But when we have people in our lives that apply the blood of Christ and don't look at us after our sin, you know what that does? It sets us free to grow, doesn't it? The body of Christ, our church, this church, is an environment where people can grow in who they are as a new creation. That is what it means to be a true friend. It means that we don't live in familiarity with each other, that we see a treasure in our friends. And it means that we lay our lives down for our friends. You know, sometimes, and this church is amazing, because people will find out that someone has a need in the church. Maybe I don't even know about it, me personally. And then I find out later that someone went out and met that, met that need and they just helped them out. That's amazing. That's a, that's a mature body of people. A church that's mature, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 through 17, a church that's mature is going to build itself up it's going to encourage itself. It's going to function as an encouraging, as an encouraging um, organism. It's going to be people encouraging other people. An immature church or an unhealthy church is a church where each person is only looking after their own stuff, their own life, how people have offended them, and how and leaving leaving them very critical. And that's what happened to the Galatian church. They begin to bite and devour each other because grace left the picture. And so true friendship is first understanding how Christ loved us, gave his life for us, laid down his life for us. And you know, it could be that, like Paul, we find ourselves someday in a place like Paul was in jail. And Paul said, all have left me, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Everyone has left me, but Christ is with me, and he's telling me now to stand fast in the Lord. Paul was left alone, but he had Jesus as his friend stay there and not forsake him. Jesus will never forsake you, and he's never going to leave us. I heard the other day that if you forsake God, God will forsake you. No, that's so human. Why? How can we put on the nature of God uh, human attributes that are so conditional? God loves unconditionally. God will... God will be patient and he will wait years in our life and work and work and work until we understand the deep friendship that we have in God. Because a friend does not put himself first, but really puts Christ first. Amen?
And so I'm just going to finish this next week, and um, and I'm just excited about talking about that. So, amen.